Hi, Sarah. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So good to be here. Very excited to have you today. Um, I've kept you my hidden little secret to the side for all of these guests that we've had um, so far, kept you waiting and waiting because oh, you have so much to share today and I love your story um, of who I know you as. Um, and I obviously met you through a business networking group, um, which is a great asset to my business. I know it's been great for you as well. Um, and yeah, I just, I know you've got some cracker stories and some um, real gems to share. I know a lot of what you're going to share today is about resilience, getting through hard times um, and how you just get up and go again. Um, and there's been a lot of trials, life's thrown at you, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to share, like, have you share today about all of that. Um, but to get us started, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who Sarah Bowling is. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, of course, Sarah Bowling, I'm known as the Perfect Pitch Guru. And basically, I work with business owners to create and craft their perfect pitch, which is ideal in networking and referral networking environments. And yeah, been in Australia for two and a half years, immigrated at the end of 2019. And it's been quite a journey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. COVID's thrown you a lot of curveballs, not only business-wise, but also personally. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, I, I think maybe to get us started today, let's chat through moving from South Africa to Australia. So that was obviously a huge move. You love South Africa. It's where yep. your friends and family are, where you grew up your whole life, where your husband as well um, grew up. He's South African. Yeah, he's South African. And you get birth to your two daughters there. Yep. Everything. And so why the heck did you move all the way out to Australia? Well, it's the land of milk and honey. Who would say no? So in about, it was 2019, June 2019, my husband was offered a transfer to Australia with his company. He's in the logistics industry. And of course, when he came home and said, this opportunity has been given to us, we literally went absolutely two thumbs up, we're in. You know, when you sit back and think about it, you go, okay, we're leaving a lot behind. So I was involved as sales and marketing director in our family business, which is still running today. And there was that, which ultimately I would have been the successor of that business. We had our friends that we'd made for literally our whole lives and everything that went with being comfortable and being secure. But we took the chance and we knew that there would be so many opportunities for our children, for ourselves in Australia. So we grabbed that with with both hands, sold our property, we packed our bags, we packed our container, gave away a ton of stuff. You would have loved it. Uh, (laughs) Gave away a ton of stuff. And then, of course, end of November, 29th of November, was the last time that I stepped on African soil. We literally boarded a plane and it felt about 500 hours, but I think it was about 30 hours. We landed in Sydney and, you know, I always say, you know, if you'd seen us there, you would have seen my husband, myself, our two daughters, we had eight bags and a six-string guitar. That was it. <laughs> and that was us arriving in Sydney. No friends, no family, no home, no clients, no contacts, no credibility. But we had literally stepped off that plane and we were ready to just tackle the world with both hands and see what happened. That's crazy. Okay, so you got offered a spot 
here in Australia, your husband. Yep. Did that come with permanent residency? Yep, we were really fortunate we got a PR on that. Yep. So that, that made the, the decision a lot easier. Yeah. And thank goodness, because, you know, with, with COVID and the way things worked yeah. out, a lot of people on temporary visas are struggling to, to push that into their PR. So we were yeah. really grateful for that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So logistically, you've come to Australia, you've left behind the business you worked in, you'd plan to work remote or... Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to continue working. Yep. Still sales and marketing director, managing everything from 11,000 kilometers away. Still doing it now? At the moment, I am. We're in the we're in the process, process. of the sale of, of that business. Oh, really? Okay, cool. So, yeah, with my um, we unfortunately lost my mum and dad to COVID. So, with that, we are selling the business. But I am still currently sales and marketing director. Yeah, wow, cool. Okay, and then when you landed in Australia, you had your two daughters. How old are they? So Jennifer was. Oh, now I've got to do maths. <laughs> Jennifer's now fourteen, so she She's was 12. 12, and, 12 and a half, or 11. just turned twelve. 11. Um, Amy had was just about to turn, gosh, maths. She's now turning eight, so she was just about to turn five. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So they were both in school. Yep. But, so they had to start new schools. Mm-hmm. How was your English? Perfect. Perfect? Yeah, English cool. first language. Yeah. You still speak Afrikaans, though? Not, Not really. really. My husband's much better at, than I am. Yeah. Um, it was never my strong suit. My family was English, so yeah. we only spoke English, English. at home. Easy. Very cool. Okay, and so how, why the Hills District? Well, we didn't know where we wanted to live. Yeah. So when we arrived, it was pretty cool, actually. we My husband was very organized, and we had a list of all the areas we wanted to see, and we, we had <laughs> no pressure. We had three days to find a home, and the Hills was an area he had earmarked as, yeah. as a, a possible good area. We literally drove through it, fell in love with Beaumont Hills, yep. and that's where we were. We were so fortunate to have found the most beautiful home for rent, and it was available immediately. So we've been in Beaumont Hills, and we just love every single thing about it. That's awesome. So cool. All right, let's talk a little bit about your business now. Tell us about what you do and how you started. Okay, so how I started was once we kind of got here, and realized that there was, you know, there was still a fair amount I could do for the business from the side. Yeah. I had a lot more hours in my day suddenly because I wasn't in the office. I wasn't surrounded by a team that I was, you know, constantly training and working with, etc. So I looked at it and I went, what do I love? What can I put together? And what do I get out of it? <laughs> Basically put everything into a bucket and see what comes out the other side. So the things that I love is sales and marketing. I absolutely love training adults. Um, on a side note, I had I had been a I was a professional speaker in South Africa since 2012, yeah. and had the privilege of speaking on some of the largest stages alongside some of the greatest speakers on the African continent. So there was the speaking and the training that I loved, the sales and marketing that I loved, and of course people. I, I really love people. So when I put all of that together, I went, what do I get out of it? And it was my husband. He's very smart. Didn't just marry him for his good looks. And he said, do you know that every single relationship, every single business contact you have is as a result of basically a 30-second introduction pitch? Yeah. And when I looked at it, I thought, he's right, because that's exactly where it started. And we had the most amazing tribe of people around us, friends, business, professional, casual, and when you look at it, you went, everything starts from that first introduction, whatever that looks like. 
So that was where the perfect pitch was born. Um, it started off as a, a four-hour course, so you would kind of do four, four lessons, an hour each, a small group, really intimate, really great, saw fantastic results. And then the people who'd done the course were saying, we want more. And I thought, oh my golly, what is more? <laughs> what does more look like? So literally over the next 12 months, I built the academy. So I would I'd love to say it all happened by accident, but it didn't because everything was planned in how that business came together. So, you know, what do people need? They need to prepare it. They need to practice it. They need to polish it. Bang, we can do a session a week where we do that. Um, you know, we can do workshops where we delve into things that are maybe unusual, things that are different, that they can, again, they can learn, they can grow, they can connect. And then I thought, oh, I've got to do an online course. Everyone's doing an online course. So I created an online course. And when I put all of it together, we went, wow, that's a really cool academy where you've got everything. You've got the learning, you've got the growing, you've got the connecting, you've got, you know, the designing a pitch, um, developing it, delivering it. So we put all of those things together. And, and that's how the academy, as it currently stands, was, was born. And that's where it started from and where yeah. it's gone to. That's amazing. And you also do longer form presentation training as well and coaching? Yeah, 100%. So from a speaking side, it's it's amazing. You meet people who are really, really good at what they do. They're competent. They're experts. They're you know, ultimately making a lot of money doing the stuff they're doing. But even those people with all of their success, or not all of them, many will say, I really stress when I have to give a presentation. And it's an interesting thing because they're competent, but they're not necessarily confident. Yeah. So through that, we've got, uh, I do training, speaker presentation training as well. And that could be anything from someone who's got a 10-minute presentation that they need to put together, right through to those who are delivering, you know, 45 or 60-minute presentations, which could be a number of things. It could be to inspire their audience. It could be to persuade if they're you know, selling something. It could be to teach and educate. So again, many factors determine why they're on stage. And I work with them to figure out what is it that you want to achieve? How do we get there and put that presentation and build that presentation so that they, they actually get up there and they've got what I call the power of the platform? Amazing. And I know one thing that you do also offer is the phone etiquette. Yep. Yeah. So the little things like that that make a huge difference to a business, having someone who yep. knows how to talk on the phone. Absolutely. And sell for them is great. Um, amazing. So how did you, you said you came to Australia, no contacts. No contacts. No one, not nothing. No person. credibility. Nothing. <laughs> how did you build your business from scratch? Zero. So there, no friends, no family, <laughs> nothing. I got to tell you, we'd moved into our home. I think it was the twelfth of January. I don't know the exact date, but call it beginning of January. And I figured out I needed people quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a look. The first thing I did was I joined a Toastmasters club. Yeah. And they met at the Australian Brewery. So I figured that out. I only had to take three turns to get there. So that was easy. <laughs> Google Maps, thank you. Um, so joined Toastmasters. That was the Monday night. And then there was a referral networking group that was meeting on the Thursday and lo and behold it was the same venue so I thought that's good I won't get lost because the roads here are very confusing compared to South Africa so I thought great that that looks good I arrived at the venue met some absolutely fantastic people and I joined that group immediately 
I realized that in order to grow the business, I needed people and I needed businesses to do that. And I needed to be part of something that was definitely bigger than myself. And I grew my business off referral networking. Yeah. I thought that that was the biggest part for you because obviously you're working mostly with businesses. Yeah. Just business to business, all about getting in with business owners, people working in the professional space, yeah, um, doing professional speaking, and you're still doing presentations as well. So you, yep, um, I know you were in one of my uni um, classes way back, start of 2020, yeah, as a speaker on. Yes. Um, I can't remember what you're talking about. Something. It was pitching. Of, it was pitching. Uh, what was it? Like now? pitching yourself. It to was employers. pitching yourself to employees. Yeah, yeah. employers. Yeah. Yeah, and so those are the sorts of things that you do still now as yeah. well, um, for, for like in the professional environment. Yeah, and then helping other people do that as well. Yeah, so and I mean, awesome. it's an interesting thing because a lot of people initially think that my big market would be you know big top corporates. Yeah, but the truth is, I really enjoy working with small businesses because. Yeah. They're people who are passionate about what they do. Yeah. They're measuring their success. They measure their return on investment. And I know that I can deliver in that space really effectively. Yeah. So small business owners are great. Um, the stuff we did with the with the university, that was super because it was young people coming out who may need to get jobs, may need to pitch themselves to recruitment agents, um, to yeah. potential employers. Yeah. And again, that just helps people. Yeah. And it really is about helping people and, and allowing them to set themselves up for success. That's so good. Amazing. Well, I know a lot of the resilience you built coming to Australia with nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Which is just crazy. I can try and pitch you at Sydney Airport with the eight bags and string guitar. I had my guitar. <laughs> Everything was fun. And my family. <laughs> and your family. Exactly right. Um, that takes a lot of resilience and and to build a business again from scratch in a, in a whole new country where you don't even know the tax system, don't know Nothing. anything like that. Um, had you even had you visited Australia before coming here? Yeah, my brother's up in Queensland. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we'd, but it's again, it's an interesting thing because when you come on holiday, yeah, you see you see the country and you see people differently. Yeah. When you're coming to immigrate, you know, suddenly it's it's not. It's not the same. Yeah. So I had never been on Australian soil with the intent of, of moving here. Yeah. Like I said, I was the successor of a hugely successful business back in South Africa. So the thought of ever leaving that, you know, it never even crossed my mind. Yeah. So every visit to Australia, and there were probably, we probably had three or probably yeah, three or four visits to Australia. It was really being here as a tourist. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I know your time in South Africa, there was a few crazy stories, but one in particular that I think everyone would just be astounded to hear. I mean, I've been mind blown hearing it. Um, why don't you share a little bit about that medical episode? <laughs> the medical drama. The medical drama. <laughs> we could just, have a, we'll just make a movie about it. We could make a movie about it. So. It was 2006 and had just given birth to our first um, our first daughter. Yeah. She was just perfect. And in South Africa, most of the births are given by C-section as opposed to natural birth. So I had her by C-section and things went a little <laughs> went a little bit wrong, <laughs> completely haywire actually. But basically what had happened is I was given an anti-inflammatory, which is generally standard procedure. And over the next sort of 13 days, that anti-inflammatory had burnt a hole through my stomach. 
onto the main artery that runs directly underneath. Now, the chances of that happening are probably one in a million, but it happened to me <laughs> as it would be. So the net result of that was eventually I bled out, I hemorrhaged really severely, I landed back in hospital under a different doctor who fixed the problem, in inverted commas, fixed the problem. You and had surgery? Um, yeah, they had yeah. surgery, but it was, you know, pretty quick and easy in and out. And I was sent home with the thumbs up boxes ticked and I was all good to go. Anyway, after being home for a couple of hours, I realized something didn't feel right. And I guess it's just, you know, you sometimes got to follow that gut feel and something didn't feel right. I went back to another doctor for a second opinion. And that day he said to me, look, um, you know, I'm going to send you home and we'll do some blood tests. I'll send you home and I'll give you a ring in the morning. We'll have a look at what, you know, what we've got and make a plan going forward because if you don't feel right something's probably wrong yeah. thank heavens for him anyway we hadn't left the hospital i had a severe hemorrhage once again was raced back in they admitted me immediately and again everything calmed down and we were you know perfect had friends and family came to visit in the hospital the good old days when everyone could come in in fact we were still laughing going hey we could do hospital reviews because you know it's not my third hospital in you know like two weeks type of thing anyway that night things went really wrong again I hemorrhaged severely I was raced into ICU to stabilize and the next morning came round, the doctors came in and they just said, you know, something is really, something's really amiss. And as they were talking, I, I flatlined and they managed to revive me in ICU, but raced me through to theatre. That was the 13th of November of 2006 and they fought really hard to save me. I was losing a lot of blood really quickly and eventually Eventually, there was just literally nothing left. Um, they called my time of death at 8.16 a.m. The time is really relevant to me, probably not to anyone else. No, that's, that's <laughs> but yeah, 8.16 was officially the time of death. And I'd, I thank my lucky stars and you know, I'm so, so blessed that I had the doctor I had. He just refused to let me go. He manually pumped my heart until, until there was some sort of life sewed me up, put me on life support and literally went, the rest is up to her. So I owe my life to that man because he didn't give up. In theory, they should have tagged and morgued. That's the way it goes. Sounds heartless, but it is the process. And I was on life support for a couple of weeks, eventually came out and it was a slow heal, but here I am today. You got the scars to show for it. <laughs> got the scars to show for it. Um, crazy. Crazy journey, but I'm grateful. And and it's interesting because I've always been a really positive person. So the the hard conversations were the ones where people said, you know, you must be so grateful and, you know, see your cup is half full. And I was like, I was always grateful and I always saw my cup is half full. So that that was an interesting journey to go through because I had always been positive. But, you know, when I look back now, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty traumatic for everybody, you know, the whole family, friends, poor Leonard, Jennifer almost didn't have a mum, but I wouldn't change that because, yeah. you know, it's those things that, that shape you, it's those things that make your story. And as a trainer, you know, as a speaking coach, 
I often go back to people's stories because that is really the gold. Yeah. So it's it's come full circle. My gosh. When you woke up from the coma, life support, and you saw Jennifer, your baby, she had grown so much. Probably not as much. I probably thought she'd grown so much. I mean, she was 18 days old. When you, yeah. So she she was 18 when I came out. I literally, sorry, she was 18 days old when I'd last seen her. Yeah. And then she was six weeks old. So she certainly had grown. Three weeks, yeah. um, But, you know, she was just, she was perfect in every which way. And, you know, my husband was amazing. He did everything. He was just absolutely phenomenal. And they told you you couldn't have another child. Yeah, he said when I came when I opened my eyes, he said to me, he told me three things. He was hilarious. He said, first of all, you're bloody lucky, and I swear I say bloody because there was a lot of blood. He says you're bloody lucky. He says you're responsible for every grey hair on my head, and he had a lot of grey hair. Um, you received 22 units of blood. I was like, wow, that's a lot of blood, and you'll never have another child again. So that that was interesting because that was probably the hardest part is we thought we'd always wanted a, a couple of kids. Yeah. But, you know, it was also, okay, I'm here. We've got Jennifer. She's perfect. Um, so, you know, that that's what we'll take. Um, again, the, you know, there's always a story on a story. Um, we had the opportunity to take guardianship of my husband's two nieces, Amber and Leah May. They were 10 and 14 at the time. So we got the family we wanted and we were, you know, everything was perfect. And then, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> I fell pregnant <laughs> seven years later and the child we never thought we were going to have arrived. So Crazy. so we got exactly what we wanted and more. Crazy. Crazy. What a story. <laughs> My gosh, man. But you just was so close to not being here. Yeah. It's just insane when you think about it. It's crazy. Time of death even. Time of death. <laughs> it is significant, that time. Very significant. Yeah, I feel it. Every wow. year I, I celebrate or cry. I know the emotions differ as the yeah. years go by, but that time for me is, is really bang on the moment. Yeah. My gosh. Wow. Amazing. So game plan, switch notes a bit, game plan for Sarah Bowling perfect pitch course yes and all of what comes with that yep what's the game plan going forward so the game plan is obviously I'm building my academy because I've seen the magic I've seen happen in that space in the last two years is is huge I've seen people go from really shy and quiet and you know just literally almost giving up (laughs) right through to the you know just developing confidence clarity connecting with the people that they want to connect with, their businesses winning because of yeah. how they actually communicate effectively. So my big goal is to build my academy to 100 members. And of course, being an online business, everything we do is online. It means that we we can really go global. Yeah. I've been very focused on Australia and got a bit of America in there as well, but really focused on Australia and have decided now that we're going to actually open that market, we're going to launch into South Africa. So kind of back to home ground. I've got ambassadors in South Africa who are ready to run and ready to roll with it. So really well represented there. And we'll just continue to grow that academy. Ultimately, you know, COVID was was a real shock to the world and a shock to the system. But it gave us the opportunity to see opportunities. And the Academy really caters for that, where we can bring so many people together in one place where they can do business locally, nationally, and now globally as well. Yeah, 
Oh, that's so cool. And one piece of advice for everyone. I know you've got many stories and many bits of wisdom to share, but if we're talking to our listeners who are a mix of older and younger, yeah, mostly female, but a mix of both again, yeah, what would you have to say to them? Well, I, you know, I kind of change my advice every day. I think of being a mom, right? You've got to juggle. Yeah. But I read a beautiful story this morning on social media of a friend of mine. And it feels like it's going off track. It comes back on track, I promise. Yeah. And he was talking about his dog and how he'd adopted this little dog many, many years ago. And the dog's name was Griffin. And Griffin had grown up and grown old. And eventually Griffin had you know crossed the Rainbow Bridge. But as I was reading the story, there was a piece there that was so significant that really resonated with me. And it was something along the lines of Griffin would come to him every night, no matter what he was doing, no matter how busy he was, no matter you know where his attention was, Griffin would really lean in and lean in for the love. And, and Shane didn't have any other option but to lean back into it. And that for me is just relevant because it happened today. And I thought that is really good advice from a dog. So I'm, I'm going to call it Griffin's theory because we can name anything. But for me, it was definitely Griffin's theory, which is lean in. Yeah. You know, lean into opportunities, lean into life, lean into the things that are coming your way, because every single thing happens for a reason. You can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And the way you do that is Griffin's theory. (laughs) We'll call it Griffin's theory. It's just to lean in. Amazing. Oh my gosh, so good. Thank you so much for your time, Sarah, today and for sharing that story um, and a little bit about your business as well. And if anyone listening today is interested in Sarah's offerings, especially as business owners, um, you know, getting to know, um, gaining confidence in how you present yourself and your business to others is huge. It's the difference between making a sale and not. Yep. So, yeah, if anyone's interested, we'll link Sarah's page down below um, and you can check her out. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time, Sarah. Beautiful. Thanks, Christy. And I'm looking forward to having your listeners on board and being part of their journey. Amazing. Thank you. All right.